Get your Bibles out. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 5. Now, if you're looking for Joshua and you're seeing Acts or 1 Corinthians, well, you're a long way from home. Or maybe, maybe you're of the generation and you use your uh, smartphone for your Bible. Well, if you're going to Joshua chapter 5 and all of a sudden you stopped at Candy Crush or Amazon Prime, you are apt to be in the wrong place. Joshua chapter 5, we're going to begin reading at verse number 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold a man. A man, capital M. A man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us? Or for our adversaries. And he, the man, said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off of your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua has now assumed the responsibility of leading the children of Israel from his predecessor Moses. And here we find Joshua facing his first major challenge. You know, as Christians, most of the time we hear just be still and know that God is God because the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to God. How many have heard that before? Yeah, absolutely. Of course we have. Well, and the inference suggests that once you turn it over to God, that you have no responsibility at all. And this becomes a comfort to procrastinators who just love to say, well, you know, if, if the Lord meant for me to have it, well, he'd give it to me. I'm sure you've heard this one. Now, Lord, if you want me to have this job, let it rain on the right side of the hallway for 12 minutes, and I'll know it's you. And many times we put out these crazy fleeces in order to relieve ourselves from the human responsibility of engagement. And so what that does, uh, it proposes a challenge to us who try to lead people, and the, and the challenge of pastoring people is that on one hand you have passive people who sit there and who need to be motivated, and so you try to preach a word that will challenge them, but then on the other hand you have aggressive people who hear it and then they go into overdrive. You have the one person who needs to be stimulated, you want to say, would you please do something? Breathe on a mirror so we can tell you're alive. Do something. Now I understand some of you are married to a person like that and you can't say amen, so just sit there and smile. But then there are people who like Joshua, who are not passive. Joshua was not a passive person. He was an aggressive person. He was a warrior. He was a fighter. He was relentless. But you know what's interesting about 
Joshua is the very thing that makes him a great leader, in one case almost kills him, in our passage here. I mean, isn't it amazing how your greatest strength at the wrong time can become a great weakness? And so here we find Joshua. Now Joshua has this war thing down pat. He'll go to battle at the drop of a hat. Well, some of you here today, you've got that war thing down pat also. Oh, Mike, what are you talking about? Well, what I'm talking about is we don't have to motivate you to speak your mind, do we? You don't need help being aggressive. You'll do it in a flash. You're so aggressive, you'll slap someone and then say, what would you say? Let's be honest. How many people in this room have a tendency to go to war at the drop of a hat? Well, there's one Christian here. A couple. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. We, we got a few more. The conviction's happening across the room. Holy Spirit's moving. Well, no, hey, that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to be aggressive. It's in you. And God can use that thing. You don't want to kill it. But we do need to control it. You just need to find the place that's appropriate where your skill set and your strength can be utilized effectively. I don't know, you might be a great bill collector. Who knows, you might get bounty hunter of the year. If you have an aggressive attitude, there's nothing wrong with it. But it has to be controlled. And so here we find Joshua, and he's getting ready to take on the battle of his life, and he sees a man standing opposite him, and Joshua says, are you for me or are you against me? Now, first of all, this wasn't a man. Remember, I said capital M. I mean, this was God. And isn't it interesting that Joshua is so ready for confrontation that he doesn't even recognize God in the middle of his situation? Isn't that amazing? You see, because not to discern God as being a part of his situation, I mean, it is a huge mistake that Joshua is about to make. Because Joshua thinks he's just running, running into some random guy out there. But he is standing face to face with Almighty God. And so my first question for you this morning is, have you recognized God in your situation? Or are you so practical and used to dealing with man and dealing with facts and dealing with the problem at work and dealing with this and that, that you don't recognize that there is a spiritual dynamic to winning even your everyday battles? Now, it's fine to pray about it. Absolutely, we should pray about everything. But don't stop there. You know, it drives me crazy to hear people say, well, just pray. Just pray. Then they'll tell you to spin around seven times, put $5 in the plate, and God will bless you. I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy because it makes you think something that's not real. But friend, let me tell you something. That you have to get engaged in order to win. You have to get off the bench and into the game. Because the Bible says faith without works is dead. But then that's a two-sided coin because the other side of the coin says works alone won't get it done either. What do you mean, Mike? Well, what I mean is there are some of you here today, you're working overtime. You're working all the time. You've got five jobs, 
You don't have time to come to church. You don't have time to love your kids. Hey, you don't even have time to go to the bathroom. You just work and work and work and work and work. For some odd reason, you've determined that you're going to retire when you're 40 years old. And you started when you're 38 and a half. I mean, you certainly have unrealistic expectations, but, but the thing you have going for you is you're relentless going after it. You're like the guy my dad used to say, you got on the horse at the intersection and rode off in the, all directions at the same time. Always going. So you've got everything going. You're hitting on all cylinders. You've got every aspect of your life in full speed except God. But you see, when God gets into the middle of the things that you're going after, when you recognize God in all of the situations you face, that is when you're going to be more effective. And so it's imperative to recognize God in my situations, my everyday situations, those situations that look quite natural and normal to me. But you know, even when you do, one of the hardest things to do is to balance in those situations what my responsibility is and what God's responsibility is. And what that means is faith versus works. Who does what? So it's important for me to distribute the responsibilities appropriately. What's my business and what's God's business? You see, the disciples messed up the first thing because Jesus, when Jesus showed up in another form, they didn't recognize him. He had been with them for three years, but he shows up in a form they're not used to and, he does, and they don't recognize him. But you see, when you're progressing, when you're moving forward, God will keep showing up in new forms. But the problem is religious people have a tendency to get stuck in a wandering pattern where God keeps showing up in the same form. That's what they're expecting God to do. And then they'll get what I call deep. Oh, Lord, holy God up in heaven, can I go to the restroom? Now, that's deep. And they try to get God to do something like he's done before, like he's always done before. They recognize him in one form, and they try to lock him down to a pattern and a recipe. They don't realize that God could use someone who isn't even a Christian to bless you or to speak into your life. Listen, God can even use your enemies to bless you. He might speak to you through your children. You might even see a spiritual truth through your dog. But we need to realize that sometimes God is going to show up through people that we would never think possible. So we need to be open to new experiences. But it's so interesting that whenever God wants to do something fresh, there are some religious people that just try to hang on to something old. They have the Moses mentality of wandering around a mountain that's safe rather than having a contemporary ongoing experience with Almighty God. Listen, you're going to face new challenges every day, and a new challenge is a sign of progress. So when you have a challenge, don't expect your old ideas about God to show up in your new situation. Because the God that you need to deliver you out of the storm is not the same God who fed the 5,000. Don't be afraid to recognize God when he comes walking upon the water into your situation. So Joshua encounters God in a new way. 
And he says, are you for me or are you against me? In other words, God, choose a side. Make your choice. I mean, we live in a world that's always trying to get God to choose a side. But the truth be told, there is some right in the most ungodly person, and there is some wickedness in the most spiritual person. I've been around a long time, and I know what I'm talking about. But you know, it's not unusual because it starts when we're kids. My sister Terry, she was always saying to our mom, Mikey did this. Mikey did that. And Mikey did probably do this and that. But then Terry would say, kill him. Kill him. Well, my mom didn't want to kill me. Because, I mean, she didn't want to take sides. Well, and then because I was her favorite, she didn't want to kill me. But people want God to take side all the time. God, are you Republican or are you Democrat? God, are you Methodist or are you a Baptist? We're always arguing over whose side God is on. God, are you for our church or are you for the church down the street? Well, excuse me, but would it be okay if we had more than one restaurant in the city? Would it be okay if we had more than one washing machine when we have 20 families living in the apartment complex. Friends, a narrow myopic vision of God limits your understanding to thinking that God is a butler or a maid that you can summon just to fix your agenda. Most of us who embrace faith do it from such a selfish perspective, and all we want to know is how we can use God to promote what we want to accomplish. Are you for me or are you against me? God, make your mind up. Well, the Lord said neither. And here's why. God is saying it is not about me being for you. It's about are you being for me. Not about how you can get God to support your agenda. It's about getting on your knees and finding out what God's agenda is and seeing how you can support what God is wanting to do. So maybe you're like Joshua. And today, maybe you're running around with your sword drawn, and you're thinking, don't mess with me, baby. I'm bad. I'm bad. I've whipped this. I'm successful in that. I've got degrees. I have accolades. I have trophies to prove it. Not so fast, grasshopper. Because the Bible plainly says, it is not by your works, lest any man should boast. Well, what is it then? Well, it's a balance between the sacred and the secular that's so important. It's the balance between faith and works. It's understanding your responsibilities and understanding God's responsibilities. I mean, Joshua has so much confidence, he's too aggressive, and he's ready to fight at the drop of the hat. And so, what does he do? He's willing to fight his own help. Are you with me or against me? You see, when you get like this, you fight the way people who love you. 
you fight against people that God sent to help you. You fight the paramedics that's trying to get you in the ambulance to save your life. You fight your coworkers. You fight with your spouse. Don't you see you're fighting with the people who care enough about you to confront your mean, ugly attitude? And so what's happening is God is bringing you to a place where he is demanding maturity out of you. Well, one way to define spiritual maturity is balance. The balance between faith and works. Make no mistake, friend, God wants maturity. And he wants you to understand today that you're not going to whip everything with your sword and with your own abilities. Because you're not going to be able just to assign God a post in your army using him to accomplish your plan. And so really what that translates to, the thing that you're up against right now, is not about you. You think it's about you, you feel it's about you, but in the spirit world it's not about you. Because like I said earlier, earlier, we've all heard that the battle is not yours, the battle belongs to the Lord. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to show up for the fight. What it means is that ultimately the victory that you seek is not your victory. The victory you seek is because, now listen to me, the victory you seek is because God has a purpose. God has a purpose in you getting the victory over your situation. See, God's not, you're not using God to get your victory. God wants to use you to get his victory. So the thing that's fighting you ultimately is actually fighting him. So you're not using God. God is using you. But you see, the problem is when you get that backwards, you try to become the God over your battle, and then you try to start manipulating, it, manipulating everything, trying to get the victory for your benefit. But understand today that this battle is not yours. The battle does belong to the Lord. And the victory is not going to be for you. The victory is going to, get, going to be so God can get glory through your victory. But here's a key point. In order to get the breakthrough that you're after, you don't want to ever attack the enemy before you've had an encounter with God. You know, when I get tired, physically tired, emotionally tired, spiritually tired, it doesn't mean that God isn't on the job. What that means is that I need to spend more time with God. That's what that means. I mean, I can always tell when I need to spend more time with God because people start getting on my nerves. It's true. And so what that means is I need an encounter with him to get my core back, to get my thinking straight, to get my priorities in place so that I can work from a position of strength and not a position of strain. See, some of you are strained and you're so stressed and you're at the breaking point because you are in a battle that is overwhelming. 
And part of you wants to give up because you're tired and you're frustrated, but you can't quit because you're in the kind of battle that does not afford you the luxury of retreat. You have a tiger by the tail. So you have to stand there and fight. You have no choice. But until you recognize that God is in the midst of your battle and say, Lord, I am here to serve you, How would you like to use me to get this victory over my situation for your glory? You're just going to keep spinning your wheels. So that brings up another question. Why are you, in spite of your ninja skills and all your talent and everything you've got going, why are you faced with a battle that you cannot seem to win on your own? Because it's those battles that teaches us to pray. Friend, you're not going to defeat this devil with what you can do. You're not going to be able to tap into your skill set and be victorious because when you do that, when you're able to do it on your own, that means you don't need God. And that's not going to happen. To be victorious over Jericho, Joshua, you must have an encounter with God. Not not the traditional religious God of your fathers, but a fresh vision of the contemporary revolutionary understanding of who God is now. We want so bad to hang on to yesterday, but God is new today. So it's time for a radical change and to take God out of yesterday's box and embrace him with today's anointing. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but his methods change, his mannerisms change, and by the way, he changes his clothes. And so if God shows up today in a different suit, will we recognize him? At first, Joshua didn't. So that brings up another question that I have for you today. Why are we here this morning? I mean, why do we get up and come to church on the little bit of a weekend that we have? If you think about it, most of your neighbors and friends don't. It's a beautiful day. They're out walking their dog. Some are maybe golfing. Some are doing laundry. They may just be curled up with a book enjoying a latte. They're not in church. So what is it that makes you get up on Sunday morning, your one true day off, and drive here? I can't answer that for you, but what I do know is that if you don't know why you're doing it, you won't do it for long. And if you don't know why you're doing it, then that makes us on the platform, then we're tasked with coming up with tricks and treats to try to keep you coming. Let me entertain you. We're going to have a good time. Let me entertain you. And we are forced to keep telling you how wonderful it is that you're here, and we have to give you a mental massage to try and keep you coming back. And if you don't get your mental massage, you get your feelings hurt, and you stay at home next week. I am not a massage therapist. 
If you are serious about living a victorious life, you're going to come even when it's not convenient because you understand that the battle you fight tomorrow necessitates that you have an encounter through the Holy Spirit being directed and motivated and charged with the mind of God today. I will never see the walls of Jericho come down until I have an experience with God. I will never see my credit go up, my debt come down, my tumor shrink, and my crisis calm down unless I have a meeting with God. I'm here today for one reason and one reason only, to have a life-changing encounter with Almighty Jehovah God. I mean, if I'm going to keep driving my car, I have to stop by one queue. Well, it's the same with my soul. To live victorious, I have to be here. I need these words. I need this atmosphere. My flesh didn't want to come. It was doing just fine in bed this morning at 5 a.m. But my spirit needed this encounter with God today where I worship him and praise him and adore him without phones ringing, without emails, without being interrupted. I need this consecration with the Lord. I need God to show me his glory. And so God told Joshua, take off your shoe. You're standing on holy ground. But, but for all intents and purposes, isn't Joshua on the battlefield? I mean, he's not in a cathedral. He's not at a prayer meeting. He's standing outside the walls of Jericho, the city that he's ready to raise his sword against. So, can you see holy ground in your battlefield? The problem at work? The difficulties with your kids? Can you see that as holy ground? You see, seeing holy ground in a crisis is what separates a life of victory from a life of mediocrity. Do you allow your battlefield to be an opportunity for God to reveal himself? You see, because after all, that's what makes a sanctuary a sanctuary. A sanctuary is a place for God to reveal himself. And so do you understand that that problem that you're dealing with right now is a place for God to show himself to you? Now understand and remember, he may not show up in a way that you've ever seen him before. He may do something he's never done before. He may even say, take off your shoes or take off your preconceived ideas. Get rid of your religious mentality and get ready to have a fresh new experience with me right in the middle of your fight. After all, the battlefield is holy ground. And I'm going to have an encounter with God on this ground. I'm going to learn something about God on this ground. Why? Because I decided to make my situation 
a sanctuary. Some of my greatest experiences with God have not been in church. A couple years ago, Starla and I, we were just sitting on a deserted beach. There was a thing we'd been praying about, a kind of a difficulty we'd been facing, and so we were just sitting there enjoying the waves and the sun. Wasn't anyone around. And so she was playing music. Can you imagine what music she was playing? Worship music. 18 hours a day, seven days a week, whether I'm in the car or whether I'm in the house, whether I'm in the shower, she is playing worship music. It works for us. Well, I want you to know God showed up on that beach, and his anointing fell. And when I woke up with my face in the sand, I kid you not, I took off my flip-flop because I realized I was standing on holy ground because God had turned my sanctuary. That turned my situation into my sanctuary. The situation that you're dealing with right now is going to pass. It's going to pass. And so you get over it, you forget about it. Don't build a monument to it because you will still be standing. You will still be standing when Jericho is lying in rubble. Because your situation can be your sanctuary. And as soon as you see it as a sanctuary, you'll do what Joshua did. He started worshiping God in the middle of his situation. But you see, that's tricky. Because that means worshiping God in the chaos. It means worshiping God at the cemetery. It means worshiping God when you've been fired. It means worshiping God as you face upheaval and tornadoes and the fiery furnace, and you have to keep saying, though God slays me, yet will I trust him. Turn your situation into a sanctuary by worshiping God through it. You say, well, well great, Mike, that sounds good, but what's it going to do? But when you make a sanctuary, sanctuary out of your situation then God is going to give you a strategy. You say, well, I'd rather have cash. I mean, you can pray for resources all you want to. But I would rather have a strategy. Why? Because it is a proven fact that people who have no strategy soon have no resources. If you don't believe me, check the stats on people who win the lottery. You all know the story. All of a sudden, someone wins $52 million. They have $26 million after Uncle Sam gets his. Not bad for someone making $35,000 a year, is it? So never would you think that the average person three years later would be completely broke. But it's because resources without a strategy lead to poverty. Let me give you a little life lesson here. Side note, you don't have to put anything in the offering for this. This is free. You plan on leaving stuff to your kids? Well... 
Statistics say they will lose that stuff if they don't have a strategy. But it doesn't have to be that way because Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen, I don't want Christ's stuff without his strategy. You see, because when God gives you a strategy, you can overcome anything. But here's the thing, friend. God can't give you a strategy when you think it's your battle. Because when you think it's your battle, then you're trying to give God the strategy. Okay, God, now I need you to come help me now. I need your help. I, I want you to take care of this situation. You know how tough it is. You know I've been battling. So I need you to cast fire and brimstone down on Helen's head. Go ahead, God. Give it to her. Let her have it, God. You see, you think you know what needs to be done. But that's what's messing you up. It's when you humble yourself. And when you say, Lord, I don't know what to do. God, I don't know how to fight this thing. I don't know how to get to victory. That's when God is going to show up and give you a strategy. For every situation you face, God has a strategy that will bring you out. But there is only room for one God on the throne of your heart. There is a God and you ain't him, baby. You got to remember that. And not just remember it, you have to live like you remember it. And the story of Jericho is a perfect example. I mean, Joshua was ready. He was itching. He was just ready to go in there and take the city by sword. But God's strategy was, Joshua, put away your sword and take a leisurely stroll. Why don't you take a walk? Can you imagine how tough that was for a man of action, a man of battle to do, to put away his sword? But make no mistake, friend, God's strategy will always be better than ours. It will always be better than ours. And the first part of his strategy is to realize that he's in all of our situations. We have to realize that, that our battlefield is holy ground. And recognize that God is with us. But you see, when we don't, that's what causes us to doubt that God is with us. And that's what causes the anxiety and the stress to set in. And that's what causes us to think we have to fix it. It's a vicious cycle. Because why? We want to be in control. Is that your strategy today? Are you going to control everything? Never board an airplane without a parachute? Never go eat at a restaurant without bringing your own clean silverware. Never step on a crack lest you break your mother's back. But you see, friend, being in control is a cruel imposter. You think you're in control with your millions of dollars, but a recession can take it all. A health fanatic can eat only nuts and vegetables, but then st still battle cancer. You can be a hermit and not, not have any human contact, but still suffer with insomnia. We can't take control because control isn't ours to take. But I want you to know Almighty God has a better idea than Ford. Rather than seeking control, relinquish control. You cannot run the world, but you can entrust it to Almighty God. 
Peace is within your reach, not for the lack of problems, but because of the presence of a sovereign Lord in your life. Trust in the fact that there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Rest in the fact that God sustains all things. He names the stars, he knows the sparrows, and he knows you and what you're going through. Trust in our Heavenly Father. He is in charge. And his sovereignty will give you the inside track to peace and victory in your life. So whatever your situation, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. Bow your heads with me if you would. So again, what is your strategy? Trying to get through life on your own strength. Trying to live the way that you want to live and have everything come out according to your plan. Well, friend, I want you to know sin will keep you bound to the strategies of this world. Sin will keep you from being everything God created you to be. Sin will keep you from receiving everything God has for you to receive. The truth of all truths is that Jesus shed his blood so that you could be forgiven and so you could have the mind of Christ in every situation you face. If you're here today, you have sin in your life, you need to be forgiven. Would you raise your hand as an act of faith? God, I need a new strategy. Thank you. You need to be born again. Thank you. Yes, thank you. You need a new strategy. A strategy with God in control. Thank you. Yeah. God's here for you. He wants to show you his glory, but only when he's in control. Anybody else? You need to be born again today. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, you may be a Christian. But the trials of this life has, they just cause you to forget that Jesus is in the lion's den with you. And you've been fighting fighting your battles on your own. But today you've been reminded that your battle belongs to the Lord and He is with you in that battle. And so if you need to rely on God's strength, if you need to rely on God's strategy rather than yours, would you raise your hand? This is a testimony. Yeah? Say, Lord, I'm going to start trusting you. Yeah. Amen. Stand on your feet with me if you would. Altar workers, elders, would you come take your place? These altars are open. These altars are open, friend. I want you to know God's throne is not empty. God's throne is not empty, and anything and everything you need is available through Him. The singers are going to minister in song. I invite you to come. If you raised your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, it doesn't matter. These are the most wonderful, loving people in the world, and they would love to pray with you about anything that you have. If you have sin in your life, come on, they'd love to pray with you. If you're a born-again Christian, but you just need strength in what you're facing right now, they would love to agree with you in prayer about that. If you need healing in your body, they would love to lay hands on you and anoint you with oil. Come on. Anyone? Anyone? that would like the benefit of prayer, 
with Holy Ghost-filled, Spirit-filled warriors of God. They are here just for you to spend time with you in prayer, to worship with you, to pray with you. His glory is His glory's here. being here today. These altars are still open. After I dismiss, you may come and pray if you need to go. We appreciate you being here. God bless you. We thank you so much. We love you and appreciate you and all you do to make this church what it is. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. Look forward to seeing you again next Sunday. But mainly, most important, these altars are still open. If you want to pray, come down and let these folks wonderful folks pray with you about whatever is going on in your life. God bless you and don't forget I love you.